Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Uh, welcome back to Habs Unfiltered, episode 397. I'm your host, Blaine Putney, and I'm joined by special guest, Lyle Richardson, a.k.a. Spectres Hockey. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me back, Blaine. It's been a while since we last chatted, all things Habs and other, and other NHL stuff. That's true. Uh, it's been uh, it's been a busy year for everybody. <laughs> yeah, for you guys especially. <laughs> yeah, understandable. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you're you're busy, uh, you know, like getting your your hand modeling career retirement pension fund uh, all put together. And... <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it 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 was worth it to be finally have full use of my of both wrists again. So yeah, yeah, my wrist shot has improved. People will be happy to hear that. I can snap that off at 30 kilometers an hour now. So there we are. Not quite, not even close. <laughs> How did you pick up 15 kilometers on me? <laughs> oh, um, never mind. <laughs> yeah. And uh, unfortunately, I just missed you there when we went up to PEI for my my son's hockey tournament. We were yeah. in Summerside. Yes, it was it was kind of um, kind of unfortunate. I wish that you know. I, I mean, I understand that you you know you 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 got a busy schedule too. It was just like, ah, oh, damn. If I could have had like a few days notice ahead of time, I could have freed up time on my schedule to be able to to pop up there. Because as soon as you shot me, that I was like, ah, oh, damn it. Now I, I was actually sitting there going, can I rearrange? Can I move it? Yeah, no, I can't. So <laughs> it's like, but. Uh, yeah, no, uh, no, it was great. You guys got a chance to to pop up here to this to this hockey mad island, and uh, yeah, we had a blast. Yeah, yeah, it's a good time. Good time to be had up here. Yeah, great setup too. Yeah, you had yeah. the uh, the arena in the hotel. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> there you Which go. Really helped the parents. Yes, yes. Not, not much of a commute that way. Yeah, not having to drag kids around and you know equipment bags and all that happy stuff so yeah or worry about driving after being up all night oh. uh, talking talking strategy with the other parents mm. oh, my. <laughs> oh dear <laughs> uh well you uh, you've been pretty busy uh the last little while you're everyone's logging into specters hockey and you got the hockey news going and uh i haven't been able to brush up on my german enough quite yet to read <laughs> your german post but you've been you've been hard at her yeah it's been a it's it's been a well every, every season's busy and every season has its own uh you know unique stories and 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 you know things are for coverage and that but uh this year with the tr this this trade deadline's been kind of an unusual one <clears throat> excuse me because uh you know you've you've got so many players that are actually here we are a week out as as you know as we're discussing this a week out from march 8 and or less than a week now and uh there's still a, a large number of notable players still available in the market even some new names popping up and and uh you know there's several reasons for that i mean you've got a lot of teams that don't have much cap space so they're either trying to accrue 
enough cap space to be able to take on a guy by deadline day, or you're seeing like what we saw with the Tanev deal and the Lyabushkin deals this past week, where it's, it's our good old favorite three-way deals where you get one team that's got cap space willing to be a third party broker. So, you know, so that's been, uh, that's been a big part of, uh, of, of why I think we, you know, we haven't seen as much movement as we had in previous. Plus we really haven't, there's not really, haven't really been too many big names up until lately. You know, I mean, Jake Gensel was, was flying around out there with the penguins, but you know, it was sort of, are they going to move them? Are they not? So you couldn't yeah. even really know which way to go with that. Um, no offense to Chris Tanev, but when you're the biggest name on the block, for weeks that doesn't really say much about the, the the quality of talent that's that's in the trade market at the time it's kind of perked up now we've heard more about jacob markstrom so that's kind of got everybody a bit excited and and that sort of thing you know pavel buknevich is another guy that's that's popped up lately so that's kind of added a bit of spice but you think back to last year you know you had guys like patrick kane was you know out there Tarasenko was a bigger name last year than he was this season. Some of the shines yeah. kind of gone off him, but he, this a year ago he was a, a big name and 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 all and so on. And and let's face it, you had Elias Limholm get traded, you know, in the end of January. So that took at that time the biggest name off the market. So it it's that's been a factor too. Um, but the, it could set up actually though it could work in our favor for those of us who cover deadline day because it means we'll we'll have a lot more to to write about than okay wh- where's this third line checking forward going and where's this number five defenseman going to get traded because you know they'll still be should still be a, a decent number of, of recognizable names still you know in the in the trade market fingers crossed by uh by this friday well there's there has been some other names but there's all unfounded uh, rumor websites that have no no face and like people me. are trying to pick up on that crap but mm. uh, you're uh, what, what we've been seeing from legitimate sources is pretty quiet so yeah. maybe by the deadline the deadline day itself might actually be something worth watching yeah yeah, and that's why. Yeah, and that's what I mean with with all these different names that are still here. You know, less than a week out that are st- still in the market. Um, and as you said, there could be there could be a, a player or two that gets moved that has not appeared in any of the uh, you know any of the trade lists from TSN or Sportsnet or Daily Faceoff or or ESPN. So um, there could always be that element of a of surprise in there as well. So. With all the big names in air quotes out there, uh, I think that kind of that does open up a little bit of a door for Hughes to get some decent value off players that he's willing to move. I mean, uh, David Savard, his name's been out there, Jake Allen, uh, even Joel Armia recently, yeah. And yeah, and, and I mean, well, I mean, I and I think you know, Habs fans' uh, appetites uh, a little bit whetted, if you will, by what he got for for Sean Monahan. Um, and may I just say, as a quick aside, um, two things. First of all, that is outstanding asset management by Ken Hughes. That's a masterclass in asset management. You you acquire a guy from a team that gave you a first round pick to take him off your hands, and then almost two years later you trade him to another team and get another first round pick. I mean, yeah. Okay. It's the Winnipeg jets. It, the pick's probably going to be at the bottom 10 or 12. It's a first round pick. 
if you don't use it for yourself, you could use it as a, as a trade chip to bring in a, a decent young player from a team that is lacking a first round pick. Like, ooh, I don't know, Tampa Bay, Boston. I'm just, I'm just throwing them out there as examples, but yeah. So I think we're, we're, everybody's kind of as Habs fans, you're kind of waiting to see, Ooh, you know, what could he get for, for David Savard? You mentioned Savard, his name popped up back in January. Then it, kind of went away because he, you know, he said, I'm not actively shopping this guy. You know, I'm not shopping this guy. I'm listening, but I'm not shopping. I'm not trying to move him. But of course, once Tanev got moved, uh, that just re-sparked everything again. And, you know, so yeah, could David Savard be moved if somebody meets Hughes' asking price? In other words, if you're offering him a first round pick, I'm sure he will listen to that offer. Um, you know, if somebody loses their mind and offers Jake Allen a first round pick, he's gone, you know, um, I think he's gone. If you can get a second and a prospect, you know, I think yeah. he's gone. If you can get a second for him, to be honest, uh, again, no disrespect to Jake, but he's considered a backup goalie at this stage and goalies usually don't tend to fetch much of a return, especially backups. Yol Armia right now, I'd say you're looking at, if you can get a second rounder for him, you're doing well. You know, even though, yes, he's, he's played well of late, I know, but he's got that pattern of inconsistency with his scoring. So, hey, if you get a first round, we're all doing the happy dance if you're a Habs fan. But I, I'd say if you get a second round, you're thinking that way. But the other thing I wanted to mention, though, about the, about Sean Monaghan <clears throat> is you can really tell what a what a presence he was on this team and how much he meant in that dressing room by the team's performance since the trade. You know, they have struggled in part because he's not there to take the key face-offs. They miss the offense that he provides because they were already, you know, struggling with second, you know, secondary scoring, you know, beyond the first line. And it's really apparent now that uh, that Monaghan's gone. I mean, you know, uh, New Hook's back and and he's, you know, he's he's playing as, as well as he can. But, you know, he missed, what, three months with a high ankle sprain and it takes a while to yeah. get back into the into the rhythm again. So, yeah, um, I think, you know, a lot of Habs fans tend to kind of underestimate just how important some of these guys are. And that's why, you know, if they trade David Savard, I'm going to tell Habs fans listening right now, don't get upset if the defense winds up giving up more goals and more scoring chances than they have. You will really see what a difference he makes if he's not yeah. there. Just like uh, just like Monaghan, the stability that Monaghan yeah. brought to the lineup, yeah. that's what you see from Savard. While while people kind of poo-poo his, uh, his actual play, even though it, he's being played up much higher in the lineup than he should. Yeah. But the fact that he's there, he's eating up a lot of ice time and insulating the younger guys. Yep. And he's providing that leadership. He's providing, you know, the benefit of his experience. And you take that out the same as Monaghan did, you know? I mean, and, and David Savard won a Stanley Cup with Tampa Bay. So he knows, right. you know. And that's not a knock against Monaghan either. Monaghan had been in the league 10 years. He, you know, you pick up a lot in 10 years, um, you know, and I don't blame Ken Hughes for trading. Ken Hughes promised him if, if we can get a suitable deal, we're going to send you to a, to a plate, to a team where you get a chance to win the Stanley cup. Again, Ken Hughes doing right by his players. 
could Monaghan come back? I, I'd like to see him come back if, if he wants to. But if he doesn't... I don't expect that. No, I don't either. But it, it, like I said, if he wants to, and if he's able, willing to do it for a reasonable contract, sure. But if not, there's other places you can go. But yeah, it, it's it, yeah. I just caution people as well. And I'm t- I hope I'm not going off on too much of a tangent here, yeah. uh, Blaine. But I've also read, you know, from... I'm not going to, and I'm not going to say their names or anything like that, but I, I've, I've read from, from people that I think should know better sometimes suggesting, well, we should trade Mike Matheson while his trade value is high. And I'm sitting here going, okay. And who's next after that? Right? Like how many veterans do you want to trade off of this roster? You know, or I've also heard the suggestion you know, maybe they should trade one of their younger players too while their value's high. You know, maybe look at moving Caulfield or maybe maybe you look at moving, uh, you know you know what I mean? Yeah, maybe look yeah. at moving somebody like Arbor Jackeye who's, listen, I don't think his value's going to be high, but you know what I mean? And I'm sitting here going, okay, so you want to move a couple of the younger guys. At what point do you stop doing that? Before you all of a sudden you wake up one day and realize this team is nothing more but a development club for the better teams in the league. Because that's the slippery slope you're going to go down if you think, oh, let's trade that guy, let's trade that guy, let's trade that guy. No, 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 no. You you need to maintain a core. You have to maintain a core to build around, you know. And Mike Matheson right now is part of that core. You don't believe, yes, I understand. Yes, he can make, he has, it makes his defensive boo-boo sometimes. Um, that's what happens when you're a puck-moving defenseman. Sometimes, whoops, it's going the other way. But overall, this guy logs a lot of ice time. He's, God, he's having a great year offensively. I mean, he, you know, people tend to forget he, he's, he's in the top five in scoring on the club. You know, he's doing very well. He, don't move this guy. You don't move that guy. You you just don't. No, he's he's the one that's he's the number one D man on this team right now. Yeah, he's logging all those minutes. He's he's playing in all situations. Yep. And what that's doing, it's letting the younger guys take on bite sized pieces as they develop. Exactly. Sure, his value is very very high right now. You could probably get the equivalent of a first plus sure. for him. Yeah. But why can't you do that next year? Hmm. If 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 you're comfortable enough in in the the young players that you have by that point, that yeah. you feel that Matheson is 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 a luxury. If you've reached that point, that you really you know okay sure, you know, but not while they're in the middle middle of the second full season of a rebuild. You know, I I gotta say, Blaine, Jack Todd of the Montreal Gazette. A couple of months ago, came out with the perfect analogy. He said, some Habs fans, they want this team to win every game and win the draft lottery. Yeah. It's like, pick a lane because neither of those is going to work. If you're winning every game, you're not going to win the draft lottery. Okay. Well, they came close in 2021. They went to the Stanley <laughs> Cup final and they got the first overall But they pick didn't right, win right every that. They didn't win every game, Blaine. That's the thing. That's true. That's true. That year. They remember they they backed into the playoffs that year. But honestly, there's 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 a level of impatience there among some Habs fans that I just I, I, I get tired of. And I, I'm I see it for, again from people that 
I follow or I read that I sit down and I look at him and go, you should know better because this is the second full season of a rebuild. What were you expecting in the second full season of a rebuild? Were you really expecting play a playoff berth? Were you really expecting, let alone cup contention? You know, this team, the way it's built, you 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 have to look at it and and understand that this is still being built with young talent, and they're going to make mistakes. They're some of them are in different levels of 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 you know ability and and experience. It's go, it's going to take time. That being said, I mean there's some very positive things I'm seeing out of this season. You know, I mean first of all, they are healthier. Yes, granted, yes, they lost Kirby Doc for the season. And, oh, my God, how much better would the secondary scoring be if we had him for a full season? Right? You know, him and yeah. Slefkowski and that chemistry that they were they were starting to develop in, in preseason in that first game of the season before Doc got hurt. Or Newhook as well, getting, you know, being gone for three months, you know. But they are actually healthier. I mean, here we are, March, and hey, you know, Slepkowski's still here, Caulfield's still here, Gooley's still here. You know, we don't have, we're not sitting here looking at, uh, you know, six or eight guys that are listed as gone for the season, right? They're still here and yeah. still playing well. Um, but just very quickly, I mean, I have no concern about their goaltending. Montembeau is is a reliable starter. In fact, it pisses me off how he's being overlooked by certain talking heads when they come up with their dream team for Canada at the Four Nations tournament next year uh, or the Olympics in two years. And nobody mentions Montembeau. Well, I think one guy did. I think maybe it was Kevin Weeks who mentioned Montembeau. But regardless, you know, Monty's playing very well. You know, and the only reason why, you know, because we've got this three-headed, you've got this this hydro of goaltenders right now. He's not getting really the full opportunity to really, you know, prove that point. He will next season, whether it's himself and Jake Allen or himself and Caden Primo. And I think it's going to be him and Caden Primo because Primo has also improved, I think, by leaps and bounds this season. You Just know? look at his game against Tampa last night. Exactly. Exactly. You know. So I think we all know, can see the writing on the wall here, what it's going to be for the goaltending. And I think the goaltending is going to be fine. Um, the defense, yes, of course, we need more experience there. They need more skill there. But Caden Gooley is proving himself as a reliable, I think, top two defenseman. You know, I think Arbor Jack guy, that, that time he spent in the minors, did him a world of good because he's playing a much more responsible game defensively now compared to what he was you know he's also picking his spots he's not being like the, a big giant puppy running around trying to hit and punch everything you know yeah. <laughs> which was entertaining to watch last year let's be honest but yeah he, he need more discipline to his game and you know nick suzuki just continues to show you know why he is the best player on this team why he's the captain and why he is moving up the ranks of the best two-way forwards in the game right now um Caulfield is is getting his groove back a lot of people are I've noticed have been, have been complaining well his his production's down his production's down it's like guys remember he came back from a shoulder and he had major shoulder surgery done and if you everybody recall the first couple of months of the season, his shot didn't quite seem to have it, didn't quite seem to have the same zip before it finally yep. came back. It takes time to recover from significant injuries like that, you know, 
now he's kind of back in his happy place more. I think a, a full healthy season next year, you'll see him back in that 40 goal uh, area. I'd be more concerned if he was still down with, if he still only had like 10 goals, I'd be more concerned about that right now, instead of, you know, bumping up at 20 right now. Um, and finally, he's also a more complete player. Yes. He's improving that way, you know? And of course the main point, Slavkovsky, big slap, yep. the big, the, the improvement we've seen from him. What a surprise. I think we talked about that back with the last time I was, you guys had me on the show. Yep. And I said, if you're worried about this guy, I said, put him on the top line with Suzuki and Caulfield. I said, what have you got to lose? And I said, don't just put him there for a few games, leave him there for a couple of weeks and see what happens. And look what's happened. Okay, yes, I'm going to pat myself on the back for that one. I'm sure I'm not the only person who, who mentioned. Don't, don't hurt your shoulder. Yeah, <laughs> my shooting arm. <laughs> it's all connected to the wrist. Anyway, right. <laughs> but just the development we're seeing from here. We're not hearing all that 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 BS about him being a first round bust anymore. Nobody's saying that anymore. This guy, his play with the puck, without the puck. His awareness now, you know, just on the ice, has just improved so much, so much in the last three months. And that's the thing I'm the most excited about, you know, to be honest. I mean, Suzuki, not surprised at all. You know, I expected, you know, with this. With Caulfield, I've already talked about and all that. You know, we know who he is. And as you said, he's a more complete player, Gooley and so on. But Slaff is just making it just a huge difference here. We're We're seeing now finally seeing what this kid's capable of what we've got to look forward to and oh man this is going to be exciting this is going to be exciting he's just scratching the surface of his potential right now in another year or two oh my god you know it's just going to be something to see so well he's people were crapping on him for his skating and you watch him play now it's end to end he's keeping up with everybody there's no one that's able to lap him um he he's playing well defensively he's winning his board battles his forecheck he's he's putting pressure on he's going to the net all these things that you want from a power forward he's giving you plus he's got an excellent shot that he's able to release quicker now that was a big thing at the start now he's doing it and his playmaking skills are out of this world Mm -hmm. oh he's that's always been his strength was his playmaking but yeah yeah, now is released on that shot all that work with the shot doctors paid off. Yeah. You know, people laughed about that, but it's like, hey, nobody's laughing now. You know, he lets that go. He lets it's quick and it's heavy. There's a lot yeah. on that, a lot of velocity on that when he on that release. So yeah. Um, I I understand. Look, all the losing, sure, it sucks. I mean, I yes, we were all mentally prepared going into the season. Nope, they're not gonna make the playoffs. We know that, but we're hoping for some improvement. But yeah. But yes, the losing can get to you, especially when you consider that at, you know, at the all-star break, this team was playing 500 hockey. It had been from the start of the season onward. You know, they had a couple little dips and then they would get it back, but they were 500. And I think that's the team they truly are. You know, losing Monaghan hurt, no question, you know. Um, But I just think, you know, if things go the way that we hope for next season with a healthier roster, with Doc back there, and if he and Slepkowski, you know, renew that chemistry they had, now you've got two strong scoring lines going going on because we all know Suzuki and Caulfield, you know, peas in a pod, there's no worries there, right? Yeah. But you go along with that and then 
it's going to be what Hughes can bring in in the offseason, or who knows, maybe at the trade deadline, because there's also kind of talk about that. Maybe he's not doesn't just bring in draft picks or prospects here. Maybe he could also get a good young player who fits well within this. Somebody who's mid to late 20s fits into that timeline of what they're trying to build here, right? And if you can't, but I definitely think he's going to be bring, he's going to be bringing in a score in the offseason for sure. If he's loading 100%. up on if he's loading up on draft picks and prospects, you know he's not hanging on to them all. Some of that's going to be used as trade bait to bring in somebody. So, you know, and I also wouldn't be surprised to see him go after maybe another experienced defenseman as well. Again, not somebody in their 30s, but yeah, somebody sort of late 20s who can again help provide that experience and that leadership and, and, and skills that they need. Well, I mean, we're looking at a team that clearly has a ton of holes, but of course the pieces that are in place already are quality. So like we talked about, you talked about Suzuki. Now he's almost a point per game player. Mm -hmm. He's also one of the better defense uh, two way centers. Uh, Can we now say he's a first line center? Is that still (laughs) illegal to be uh, mentioning that? Are we called homers? (laughs) If we do it, because he he's done everything a first line center needs to do and more. Yeah. And and that's the thing again, Blaine, up until the start of this season. Yeah. You were hearing that. I didn't buy into it because I was seeing the steady progression. Okay. But I could kind of see where, where the critics were coming from because it was just like, yeah, but look at his points. And I'm like, yeah, but look who he had playing with him last year. He only had his run and make Caulfield for half the season. And then he was gone because of an injury. You know, when, when, when you don't have very much to pass to right, or to play with, yeah, your points are going to be down. But regardless, you know, this season, he has really silenced those critics. When you're up to a point per game, okay, you, you can't sit there with a straight face and go, no, he's not a first line center. Well, yeah, he kind of sort of is now, right? So, yeah. Um, but again, it just all ties into all this improvement. I mean, as you said, the core is coalescing, for lack of a better word. It's starting to come together. We're starting to see... I mean, we already knew who the obvious pieces were, but now there's no question that Slavkovsky's a core player. There's no question now Gooley's a core player. There's no question now that Montembeau's a core player. You can see the guys now that you're going to build around, and that's going to be there for the long haul. So it's just going to be a case now. Again, this is a development year for a lot of guys, for guys like Jack Eye, obviously. Um, you know, you can consider it, you know, the same thing for, uh, you know, for guys like like Harris, you know, for for other younger defensemen, for other the younger forwards, that it's again, it's a development thing. And even some of those maybe one or two of those kids ends up getting traded, you know, to bring in a better player. That's possible, too. It, it's good that they're in a position, too, where they've got so many defensemen on the club and in yeah. and in the system that you know that one or two of those those prospects are going to end up being used as a trade chip, you know. Now, is it going to be Lane Hudson? Relax. No, no, it's not going to be Hudson. Relax. It's not going to be Ryan Backer. Sorry. No, no, no. Those guys aren't going anywhere, you know. But there will be, there could be others, right? There could be guys even on the roster right now, not with the last name of Gooley, you know. I would even say Jack Eye is not necessarily safe, you know. No, I don't, I don't think, think he is. Yeah. I don't think they want to trade him. They like the physicality he brings. They they love that. They love that big shot that he's got. 
I'd like to see him on the on the power play more often, to be honest, with that that big yeah. blast, you know. But I don't think he's necessarily safe either. So, you know, there's still tweaking to be done. There's still holes to be filled, but you can see the direction it's going in. Um, I would say for next season, if we if we don't see any improvement over what we've seen this season, then maybe we can start being critical. I don't buy being critical this season. I, anytime I've read any, any critical, I'll just like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Whatever. I I know what I'm seeing too. Yeah. And, and, you know, but this was not a year of high expectations next year. Shouldn't be high expectations either, but I think there is an expectation to start to see that first big step forward now. And if we yeah. don't see it next year, well, then we can sit down and start going, okay, what's going wrong here. Okay. Where's, where's the problem. Can we really identify you know, it, it's like the, the criticism about Marty St. Louis. I started seeing yeah. some of that. I'm sure you have. It showed up in the Montreal Gazette, too. You know, are the fans getting tired of Martin St. Louis? Is the honeymoon over for Martin St. Louis? It's like this guy's growing along with his team. You know, of course, he's not perfect. Of course, you remember, yes, yes, he still lacks NHL experience, blah, blah, blah. This is his second full season as an NHL coach, you know, and sure, he's going to make some mistakes but he's growing with his team. And I like the direction they're going with because these players are going through a wall for this guy. Say yeah. what you will about Montreal, say what you will about their deficiencies and, and whatever, but you can't question their compete level. You just can't. These, these yeah. guys can be down by five with three minutes left in the third and they're still coming at you. They're, they're like, you know, well, we're down five to nothing. Well, we're going to wreck this guy's shutout. You know? Well, this team has his, uh, when he was playing, mm. this is how he played. Yes. The team took on his his personality yes. when he was when he was a player, and that's what you want to see. Like you, you talked about uh, progression, this is not the year to see team progression. This is a year for individual yeah. progression, exactly. and we're seeing that next year. I agree, team progression has to be there. You, you need a better, you need to improve on the penalty kill. The power Absolutely. play show, is showing a lot more, yeah. probably because these young players who are improving individually are able to produce yeah so of course you know you got that extra space you're going to score some more so this year yeah it's not, getting a top 10 pick is not a bad thing no no you know i mean i'm not sitting here you know i, was, I wasn't wishing for them to to tank this season i was hoping they would finish at 500 that's what i was i was like if they can finish the season as a 500 hockey club i'm happy with that because that's a sign of real progress doesn't look like they're going to be at 500, but they were at 500 for most of the season. So I can live with this. You know, I, I can understand, again, as we mentioned about the effect of trading away Monaghan had and the potential effect it could have if they trade away Savard. I think they, they, they will struggle even more. But regardless, you know, I liked what I saw from the start of the season up until the All-Star break. I liked what I was seeing. That's the direction that I was starting thinking of seeing the team going in. And in the last now in the last two games, though, even though they were losses, they acquitted themselves well against the Panthers. Against good teams. Yes. Against, yeah, against a Stanley Cup contender in, in the Panthers. And against a team that is like the Lightning that's no longer a cup contender, but is still dangerous. It's still got a lot of talent, can still hurt you. You know, a year ago, the Lightning would have blown these guys out, you know, six to two easily. You know, oh, yeah, easily. And yeah, yeah, like the game would have been over after the first period. And the score at the end of the first is Tampa Bay four, Montreal nothing. That's what it would have been, right? And instead, they needed a shootout to beat the Habs. 
to beat this young, rebuilding, at times struggling Habs team. So, yeah, part of it is they, they get up too for some of the for bigger opponents. I mean, what they've given teams like the Rangers fits, you know, you know, they're always up whenever they face the Leafs. But whenever they're playing somebody like Columbus or something like that, well, they kind of, yeah, they they don't really see them as the benchmark they go for. Though they did beat, you know, Anaheim and, and Arizona. So, yay. But, you know, yeah, they, they have problems with teams like Buffalo because they're right on the same level. And I don't really think they, they're, that's not what you're aiming for. They're aiming to prove themselves against better talented teams. Now, we're going to take a quick, commercial break and then when we come back we'll get into some of these nhl rumors and yep. talk more about some of the montreal canadians who are floating around in there we've touched on it a bit but uh i think uh i think we'll get into it a little deeper and if we have anything to rant about in that half <laughs> we will do it 100 percent. oh yeah so uh just stick around and we'll be right back after this Welcome back to Habs Unfiltered. Uh, those were some amazing commercials. And lo and behold, as if by magic, Treg Wilson has joined the show. Hi, everybody. Q, Steel and Cold Steve Austin music. Dude. <laughs> I'm going to get my uh, protein drink here. Because <laughs> he said so. That's Stone what Cold! Stone Cold! Oh my so, God. Uh, we're we're going to cover the uh, the rumors as they pertain to the Canadians at the at the very least. But Treg, because you missed the first half, uh, we're I'm going to give you the the opportunity to kick it off in the rumor realm. So, what is it you want to know? Ask ask Lyle. We have the expert here. Well. I'm such a good insider. I don't need to ask questions to people on what I need to know. Uh, I have 14 hours in my insider uh, 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 thing. So the more hours you have, the more in the know you are. For each, hour, for each hour is a contact you have that uh, gives you information. Um, my, I Personally, I think this is going to be a very quiet deadline for the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, we have a Hughes now saying, oh, we're okay with three goalies to the end of the season. Uh, I mean, I think that's a tactic to sit there and say we're not as desperate to get one of, let's let's be honest, Jake Allen as we were three months ago. Um, I do believe they don't want to trade David Savard right now, unless, of course, they get that first in a prospect and someone overpays. Uh I think Jordan Harris' name's coming up a lot, but again, I think it's going to take. I think he's a package deal in the off season for something else. So personally, I wouldn't be surprised if Allen or there's a little move here or there. But personally, I think it's going to be. I think Canadians, if anything, are going to be a third party and somebody else's trade if anything happens at the deadline. So I don't know. If, if if uh, you're seeing any of that out there or that's what you're hearing, but that's how I think it's going. I think Montreal's going to be very busy at the draft and in the offseason, more so than at the trade deadline. Yeah, so. that's that's pretty much what we talked about just briefly, Blaine and I, yeah. in, in the first uh, the first segment there. 
Um, yeah, I'm not going to go over the, the same ground yeah. again. I mean, you, you, yeah. you, you touched on it. You know, I yeah, if if somebody's willing to step up and pay what Ken Hughes wants for wants for David Savard, which again you said he's not shopping him, but if somebody's yeah. willing to step up and overpay, he'll do it. Um, yeah, I don't think there's very much of a market for for Jake Allen right now. No, that's just that's just the reality of the situation. They'll try and move no. him out in the offseason, as you said. You know, Harris, is, as you said, came up, but he's, yeah, you, on his own, he's not going to fetch you much. You package him and, and off he goes because you're right. As we, Blaine and I discussed, the offseason is is when Hughes is going to make his biggest moves. There is some sort of just general talk that, you know, maybe Hughes could 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 bring in a quality player at the deadline, not necessarily be a, a seller, but also perhaps a buyer. Um, I, I don't really know what's out there that he could, could do that. Of course, that I'm just talking about what's the names that have been kicking around in the trade market um, that would kind of fit what they would be looking for. Guy, a guy who'd be in his mid to late 20s who would fit that timeline for the rebuild that they're looking for, playing either on defense or or up front, be it like a secondary score or what have you. No, I think the bigger moves are coming for the Habs in the offseason. Yeah. He's going to amass what he can for draft picks and prospects and use some of them as trade trade chips. I do believe he's going to try to shop Armia now that he's hot. It kind of has a. a mm-hmm. I, so I, I don't think I'd wait on Armia until next. Well, he is. Like, he's. he's, he's yeah. He's played he's well a, since the All Star break. Yeah. And I, I think. He's the half uh, Zoolander. I, I, <laughs> I know he has another year in his contract, but I think he, he'd be smart to uh, trade while the it's high rather than wait till next year to see if you get which Armia you get. So. Uh, uh, and I don't know if there's a market for Tanner Pearson. So hmm. I think Tanner Pearson's like uh, who that they had someone last year too that was on her last year, and they they couldn't trade him off. I forget who it was, but uh, it just they'll probably just keep him, and when his contract's over, it's over, and it's off the books. Well, Armia's shown that in the playoffs, he's he's got a very high value. So yeah. What what teams could possibly be on the lookout for a guy like that right now? Hmm. That's a good question when you when you when you when you mention that because uh oh my goodness. I'm trying to think Tor- who could use a said Toronto perhaps. Toronto? Perhaps. Toronto could use a guy like that. Uh, yeah, but you'd have to retain you'd have to retain salary though. They're they're I so th- tight to the cap. I think it could be a bubble team that's looking for that guy on uh, on their third line that can uh, help kill penalties. Mm. Uh, you know, give them a little bit of more scoring on the third line. So, so maybe uh, a New Jersey or a uh, Carolina, maybe I don't Detroit, know Detroit, perhaps Detroit, maybe you know. Detroit's on that bubble. Are are they going to sell? Are they going to be hard buyers? Are they going to be? They're not going to sell, but are they going to be hard buyers or? cautious buyers that's, that's yeah that's the thing yeah they're, yeah they're not selling this this year yeah. this year Iserman's buying but yeah it's yeah. it's which way is he going to go with it the team the, the team's playing well I mean okay yeah they've lost dropped their last couple of games but overall they're they're yeah. playing well so uh yeah Iserman Iserman's going to be a buyer for sure um maybe Colorado for that third you know maybe a more depth at center somebody like Armia maybe, maybe. but again he'd be way down though i think their their wish list he, he'd be almost like if if they haven't addressed that need and there's like 30 minutes left in the till the deadline and there's nobody left uh okay if montreal's willing to retain salary if we give them something decent we might take this guy yeah, yeah. but i mean i just i just think it 
they're in they're in a wild card spot, and they could always use a little bit moving, more yeah. depth. Yeah, and they're moving. Yeah, Barry Trotz is 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 in what Pierre LeBron called a a hold or buy position. He's not selling. All this talk about UC Saros could be traded to New Jersey, and oh, this guy's going here, and Tommy Novak. Apparently, they're closing in on a on a new contract for him, so he's not going anywhere because his name's been kicking around. No, he's he's definitely holder holder sell or holder buy. Sorry. So yeah, um, yeah, maybe somebody. Yeah, maybe Armia could go there, but I'm not sure if that's really the kind of need. I think they they'd want to grab another scorer if that's at all possible. I'm not sure that Armia really addresses that need, but Vegas could pick him up. Vegas has everybody on LTIR again, so they could. Uh... <laughs> yeah, but Vegas, Vegas is going for the big fish. They're go. They all. They always. They they take after their owner. It's you know go big or go home, right? Yeah. So they always try to make the big splash at the deadline. Um, they need they need a scoring winger with uh, Mark Stoke is you know Mark Stone out for the rest of the season and and perhaps could miss the start of the playoffs. So that's why Jake Gensel's been brought up. Pavel Buknevich has been brought up. That's just two. There's. Think of any other right wingers that uh, scoring right wingers that, that you can think of. Maybe there's somebody again that nobody's talked about who could end up getting getting moved. But yeah, they, they'll they'll definitely be looking at you know one of the more notable scoring forwards at the deadline. Maybe if they have room afterwards, you could look for somebody like Armia. But yeah, yeah. yeah. So then there you go. I think it's going to be a quiet uh, trade deadline for the Canadians. I really do. Unless someone takes a bite on Allen, I don't see much happening, really. And like you said, unless someone really wants to overpay for David Savard. Yeah. Which is possible. There's which guys is possible. coming. Yeah. There's there's some guys coming uh, with Lane Hudson going to be, he's almost 100% guaranteed to sign by the end of the season. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Bacher, there's two guys right there. They got to make some space for mm. somehow. Yeah. But that's something though you can do in the off season as well. I mean, you don't have to try and do it right now, yeah. obviously. But yeah, if you can do it in the off season, you know, Savard. If, if Savard isn't traded at the trade deadline, he he could go this summer. Could yeah. or next yeah. year's trade deadline. Exactly. So you've got a lot of, with with him having yeah. that extra year and having the high regard that he still has, you know, around the league, and the value that he does have, kind of as that that shot blocking penalty killer um yeah you've, you've got options there so you know it's kind of in a good position to have now do you think if he waited on monahan and monahan plays like he is in winnipeg he'd get more for monahan say now or closer to the trade deadline no no that was the move that had to be made when it was made and to the team that it was made to you know i mean blaine and i again we talked about this at, at, at in the first segment you know that was a master class by ken hughes on asset management you acquire a guy that the team gave you a first round pick to take off their hands two years ago. And nearly two years later, you trade him to another team and get another first round pick back. That was beautiful. That's beautiful. That's what, if you're, if you're a general manager, that's what you want. That's the dream scenario. So yeah. Or one of them. And yeah, I don't, I really honestly don't think he could have gotten more, but that was the right move, the right team, the right time. You sometimes you you just got to strike when that iron's hot, and the iron yep. was hot that for you know on February second. So 
I have no complaints about that move at all. Then that yeah. that draft pick is Blaine and I had, had talked about too. That's going to probably be in the in the bottom ten of the draft, you know, of the first round. So that's going to be used as a trade chip, I think. You know. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I truly believe we should kind of forget about the trade deadline and all the moves and what he's going to do. Yeah. And look, I think the draft's going to be a very busy day for the Montreal Canadiens. Oh I'm yeah, very because I think. Uh, uh, Ken Hughes wants to start taking that corner yep. and say, okay, it's time for us to start adding yep. and start moving this needle so we're closer to a playoff spot. Because, I mean, healthy this year, I still think they're not picking top 10 in the draft if no. they stayed healthy. Yeah, uh, I don't think they make the playoff, but I no. think they were more of a just outside playoff team than they were where they're at now. I don't believe they're going to fall much lower than six or mm. dra- uh, drafting it much higher than six than sixth or seventh they're kind of going to stay right where they're at mm. 20 games there's 20 games left even if they yeah. go five and 15 they're not moving very far up or no. down maybe they right. win them maybe they put themselves yeah like i said maybe they get a position they could get lucky and the, and the lottery balls drop their way but yeah. you know hey we got lucky once we got slapped be happy yeah. with what you get if you end up yeah. you yeah. know with the sixth overall pick but even with the sixth overall pick you're almost guaranteed to get with all the D that's probably going to go in the top five, there's at least mm. two or three D and, and that Paraka D could go higher than, than uh, the, the guy who scored the 30 goals and the OHL there, uh, Pariah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, some are saying now that he may jump into the top five. So do you have Lindstrom, you have Catton, you have Demidov, you have uh, ya- uh, Yamachuk. Is it Yamachuk? Mm-hmm. And you have uh, again, he's a D man though. Yeah. He's D, but and, yeah. and then you have okay, so even fours againla, uh, you have againla, Iserman, uh, Demidov, Catton, yeah. you know, anyone, anyone and, not named uh, Celebrini, yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and honestly, I, you know, they, they they've gone again. Ken Hughes has kind of gone against type, if you will. He all he's done the unexpected every time in the first round when he said the first round pick. We all expected yeah. he was going to grab Shane Wright and he took Slefkowski. Even though I know it was building towards that, that, you know, but the expectation was on the floor that day, we all were expecting Shane Wright to be called. And when he called Slefkowski, just that the reaction alone spoke volumes. But then last year, taking Reinbacher, when Meechkoff was there, and let's not get all of that nonsense again. But he went against type. Everybody expected he's going to go for Meechkoff or he's going to grab a forward. Grabs another defenseman. What, what's he doing? This this isn't a draft deep in defensemen. Why this is forwards? Why is he drafting a defenseman? And then we found out that there were three or four other teams who really coveted Reinbacher, you know, for very good reasons, as it turns out. And so now it's like, well, yeah, it's a draft deep in defenseman, but come on, Montreal is just chock a block with defense prospects now. They don't need more. They've got plenty. Unless you're planning on taking two or three of those and using them as trade trade chips, in which case, well, yeah, okay, you're going to need to draft a defenseman. He's got to go for a forward, right? In a draft yeah. that's deep in defenseman, look for him to pick a forward. Yeah. He, uh, I, I think, too, with the defense he has now, he has mm-hmm. to move a defenseman. With, yeah, even with put, yeah. a defenseman or two. Like, for instance, I know Blaine and I have talked about it before, Mike Matheson. Once they figure out Lane Hudson's ready, yeah, when he Mike when Matheson. he's ready. Yes, when he's ready Not now. Yeah, Not now. So, so a lot of people are like, "Oh, I would trade Matheson. We got Hudson coming." But yes, we do. And yes, let's hope that Hudson can be the Hudson we want him to be in the NHL. But we don't know that yet. 
Yeah. So if you're going to sit there and go, Matheson, you're gone. We got Hudson. And all of a sudden, Hudson's Victor Mete 2.0. Exactly. You're screwed. Yeah. We, we screwed. just don't want to rush these guys. <laughs> exactly. Again, Blaine and I talked about that in the in the, in the first stat. We said the same thing. I mentioned Mike Matheson because I keep seeing people yeah. say, they should trade Mike Matheson now while his value yeah. is high. Well, his value will be high next year, dumbass. And in which yeah. case, if Hudson is everything, we, as you said, we think he's going to be, then you trade him. Don't yeah. rush he, things. He's probably actually going to be higher next year because you can build off his probable 50 point season this year. And then you can, and then if he's just as hot offensively anyway, you can sit there and say, Oh, we have your number one or number two offensive defenseman. We want this haul. Thank you Mm -hmm. very much. And And how much more valuable, how much more valuable is a top pairing defenseman in a cap where it's about just under 88 million a year. Right now it's it's eighty three. He's yeah. taking up less percentage of the cap at that point, and he's making under five million dollars. Yeah, how yeah. much more valuable is a top pairing defenseman? Oh, then huge, yeah. huge, like, big I mean, time. Like I mean, David Savard. Yeah, you can get away with trading David Savard because you've got guys yeah. like Jack Eye, you got guys like Struble, you got guys mm. like uh, Kovacevic. Can play the right. Yeah, Harris can play the right. You have yeah. all these guys that can play that style of game that David Savard played. As a matter of fact, Jack Eye, I think, is going to be a better defenseman than everyone thinks he's going to be, uh, both sides of the ice, offensively and defensively. But that's Jaden Struble. I think Jaden Struble's going to be a David left-handed David Savard. Basically, is what I think he's going to be. He's going to have a little bit of offensive flair, but he's going to be that guy that's going to be a warrior and put his body in front of everything that comes his way and do what he can to, uh, you know, play a hard defensive game. So Savard right now is expendable. The question is, do you want to get rid of that leadership on a young decor right now? And I think that's why uh, Ken Hughes is saying, he may not be a first in a high prospect value to you, but in terms of off ice value to me right now, that's what I need for you to take it. Yep. Exactly. And if, you know, other GMs will understand that and they'll go, well, do we, do we want to overpay for him? Is he going to give us that Stanley cup? Is he the missing piece? Yes. All right, let's go get him. No. All right, Kent, we'll see it. We'll talk to you next year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think the bigger value in any trade right now for uh, for Hughes is the cap space he's going to gain. He may not, mm. he may want a certain value back, but yeah. he might take a little bit less just to offload some of these uh, these contracts. Not not necessarily right now. I think no. the trade deadline is going to kind of pave pave the way for conversations with other GMs. But come draft day, I think you're right. I think there's going to be a bunch of moves because. It's not necessarily next season that they need the money, but the season after when uh, Slavkovsky is going to yep. be going into his next contract. Yeah, and that's not going to be a bridge deal. If he develops this, what we're seeing from him this season, if that carries forward, that will not be a bridge deal. That's going to be seven or eight years, and it's going to be expensive. I mean, even maybe after... Maybe like a Svechnikov type of, uh, type of value, like seven... 7.75, going to be higher around there. The way the market's yeah. growing with the with the cap, that's going to be higher. That's going to be higher. I know that people are going to say they're not. No way they they'll pay Slaff more than Suzuki or 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 Caulfield. You look at the cap and where it is, and unfortunately, this is the way it goes. As the cap goes higher, so does the value. And I guarantee you, between now and then, there's going to be teams that are going to have players that are kind of comparable, 
and they're going to overpay and laughing his agent are going to point at that and say, that's what I want. And you can't blame him because the market, if the market's set, there you go. If they could get him signed for, you know, 7.5 mil a season on eight years, if he blossoms into what we're expecting him to be and what we're starting to see from him, that will be such a bargain that will you look back on that and you'll laugh at what a steal that was. Well, I mean, going off into... where he's been, yeah. So if they can pull it off where he's making about the same or even a little bit less than uh, Caulfield and Suzuki, oh yeah, a top a top line of three guys making under eight million dollars, that'll be unheard of in the NHL in two seasons. Mm. Yeah. So so twenty four twenty five is probably the most important season for them because they have yeah Justin Barron. Uh, mm-hmm. Who else here? Just hold on a sec. They have everyone: Justin Barron, Jordan Harris, Jaden Struble, Caden Gooley. All mm-hmm. RFAs. Yuri Slavkovsky. You're losing Armia. You're losing Jake Evans. You're losing Mike Pozzetta. David Savard's gone. Kovacevic's yep. gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dvorak's gone. Uh, Harvey Bernard's a RFA, but I think he's like Yelonen. You're gonna, yeah, maybe, maybe not. Yeah. Uh, so it's gonna be. Plus, you have Heineman. Uh, RFA, uh, Sean Farrell, uh, uh, 10.2 arbitrary RFA. So there's a lot of young guys you're going to want to sign. Some of them you're going to get for cheap because they haven't, like Jane Struble probably won't cost you a whole hell of a lot, but Barron might not, if he's still there, might not cost you a whole. Barron may not be there. I I truly believe Harris and Barron are the two defensemen they're going to dangle and say, there's still potential in these guys. Well, Barron. Uh, Harris, you know what he can do. Yeah, you know. Uh, so exactly. there's going to be a lot of. You're absolutely right, Blaine. It's not next year, but the year after that, they're really going to want to clear up that cap space. And the and two that's... biggest, the two biggest cap problems are still going to be there in Anderson and Gallagher. Mm-hmm. So yeah, which makes it really, really important that they have someone who's very good at negotiating contracts. <laughs> and it just so happens they hired mm. a former player agent that's why see, i don't yeah that's why i, I don't have it. any worries about this this yeah. team's future and and what they're doing because you know hughes has already shown that he's got an eye for for, for talent he knows what to bring in he knows what he's looking for he's already shown now of course he's got all these you know he, he obviously other people helping him doing this but he's still the general manager He's already shown that he can swing a hard bargain and win more often than not at the, at, you know, when it comes to trades, you know? Um, so yeah. And in, in he's, he's already shown as well with some of the signings he's made is, you know, that, that experience as an agent, you know? So that's why I'm not all that worried going forward with the, you know, with him doing, doing this job because everything he's doing so far, he, he's, he's got his vision. He's laying it out. Uh, you know, the, the players that he wants for the timeline that he wants, but he's also getting him signed for the kind of contracts he wants. Yeah. You know, Cole Caulfield is a perfect example of that one. You know, Caulfield's contract, you know, I mean, Jesus, you, you, you got him and Nick Suzuki who was signed previously by, you know, by the previous management, uh, you know, to a good deal, as it turns out, it turned a very good deal over the long term. And Caulfield now, same thing. So it's like I said, if you can get Slavkowski, you know, if you can get Slavkowski for seven seven point five mil, as you said, now you've got a, a a first line that that's making what pulling in under what twenty five mil a season. Yeah. You know, Jesus, look look at Toronto's first line and tell me how much that cost, right? I mean, come on, you know. So uh, 
the, the smart thing about it too, Suzuki's contract is going to be look like one of the best contracts in the league. Absolutely. Yep. Sorry. Uh, what's his name from the athletic Dom there from the athletic who says it's one of the worst contracts in the league, but it's going to turn out to be probably one of the best. He's pr- what almost a point per game player now. And this is in a season where Caulfield isn't scoring the way he should be. He didn't get his 20th goal last night, although everyone he did need, he, he didn't have it, then he had it, then he didn't have it. Um, but, uh, and then Slavkowski, uh with his kind of dead season up till Christmas, um, basically Suzuki's been doing it on his own for two years. So for two seasons, Suzuki's been improving with no help yep. on his own. And now that he has a little bit of help, he's actually proving Hughes right when he said, I'd rather a guy like Bergeron, who's yep. not going to score 100 points, Right. But he's going to make everyone around him better as he improves as well. And I mean, Bergeron, I think, only had one or two point per game seasons where he averaged a point, but he's considered one of the best centers in the league. And I think Suzuki's there. And if I seen a chart a couple of weeks ago saying Suzuki's actually in the Selkie talk, he's not. Mm. He won't win you know, it, but he's in he the won't talk. Win it, yes. But he's in the yeah. talk. Like he's yes. in the top 10. He's there. Yes. And since, and since, uh, uh, January or Christmas, Suzuki is the third highest scoring center in the NHL right now. <laughs> yeah. So, I well, mean, pe- people say, oh, you're cherry picking since Christmas, do the full season. Do Okay, sure. But Montreal's <laughs> going to have their first almost 80 point score yeah. since uh, it was uh, 75, plus, 75 plus point score since Kovalev. Yeah. In 2008 or not. Mm-hmm. I just want to point out that. When you're saying since Christmas, there was a specific change that happened at that point that I think yeah, made all the difference on that line. <laughs> Slavkovsky, yeah. Slavkovsky, yeah. yeah. So everybody's, yeah, everybody's benefiting on that. Caulfield regained his scoring touch. Look at that with having that, you know, that full line going. Oh, gee, when it's Christmas. Since Christmas. Oh, hey. oh, 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 here's a, here's a fun, here's a fun stat too. Okay. Um, Nick Suzuki had 11 goals. In 11 games in February, there was only one other player who scored more than him. And that's Austin Matthews by one. So, yeah, this month was not that February was not a good month overall for Montreal, you know, because as as we talked about, Blaine, the the loss of Monaghan really hurt the leadership and and the experience in the room. But Suzuki has stepped up. There is no question. So, yeah. And I also believe that tied a record for most goals in a month over the past 30 years with, uh, I believe, Turgeon. I thought I seen the stat last night during yeah. the game with Turgeon and uh, I forget who the other person was. but uh, um, Maybe. maybe. Actually, it was Brian maybe Savage. Brian Savage. Brian Savage. Mr. Was Mr. Brian October. Savage. That's right. Yeah. I saw that too, Mr. October. Yeah. But that's right. Yep. Yeah. So, Sorry, uh, it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But I mean, if you think about Suzuki too, um, Coff, everyone's going on. Oh, Caulfield's not score. Caulfield's like Caulfield's still on pace to have a sixty-point season. Yeah, Caulfield's becoming a more complete player. Everyone's like Caulfield's the one-dimensional. Mm-hmm. All he does is shoot the puck. All he does is score goals. Well, no, he's not anymore. Now he's, a, yep. he's setting up Suzuki. He's setting up Sofkowski. He's back-checking. He's playing a better. As a matter of fact, I don't like the plus-minus stack. But for a team who's like minus 173 on defense, <laughs> uh, Cole Caulfield's only only a minus three. Yeah, for a guy playing on the top line. So, 
again, I don't like the plus minus stat. I think it's a bit of a nobody likes the plus minus stat. How Biber, you know, like, oh no, I did all my job, but he didn't. I got scored on. I'm now a minus. Yeah. Boo. <laughs> right. Well, possession so, stats are very high. Hmm. Yeah. So I mean, to sit there and say Caulfield's one dimensional, I think he's proven this year he's not. And I think that's a reason why his goal total isn't as high as it was. Also, because everyone's covering Cole Caulfield. Everyone's like, oh, Caulfield's their score. And this is why Nick Suzuki's like, all right, I'll put it in. And don't forget, it, you know, <laughs> early in the season as well. I mean, he's, he was still coming reco- coming off of that, you know, the major shoulder Sh- surgery. Shoulder surgery. That takes yeah. time to make yeah. major, major shoulder surgery. I'm not drunk. Yeah. No, not at all. I haven't <laughs> drunk at all here at 11 o'clock in the morning. But no, uh, but yeah, I mean, major shoulder surgery. Uh, yeah, yeah it, it takes time, as you know, Blaine and I discussed. It takes time to to get over a, a significant joint injury like that, you know. So, yeah, now now he's rounding back into form. I mean, yeah, he can still crank it. So, you know, as you said, it's just he's improving and developing those aspects of his game. But back in October, over a three hundred sixty five day span, caught Inami had more goals than Nick Suzuki. Just throwing it out there. I seen this tweet. Uh, <laughs> you know, Talk about cherry picking. That's one of them is going to be bought out the other one's not so let's just yeah we'll leave it at that but we talked about the secondary scoring and i think the bigger the bigger impact it's going to have once we finally get it in montreal is that we see caulfield and suzuki producing and and slavkovsky as well and when they're the only line on the team that can score when you have a second line that can score you break up that defensive coverage a little bit and it opens things up. So you're going to have more points for that top line. Once you finally get a second line. Well, and part of it too, let's, let's then again, you know, where would we be now if, if Kirby doc hadn't suffered that knee injury, I think it would be a completely different story. I still think, and I think Slavkowski would still be playing well. He'd still be developing along because again, we can't forget Doc and Slavkowski in preseason, you saw it. And in that first game, they were had terrific chemistry together. And in fact, what was I, I was reading? Uh, they were they did a piece in the uh, the Gazette a couple of a couple of weeks ago about what Kirby Doc's been doing, you know, while he's been recovering, how he's monitoring the games. And he's been and he said, yeah, he and Slavkowski are still like tight. They're still talking. They're talking a lot. And they said they're really looking forward to next season to playing together next. Season. Even though Slavkowski is is you know, playing great on the first line. It's not like Slaff is sitting there going, no, 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 keep me with these guys. He's like, no, I'm really looking forward to playing, playing with you next season. So if they, that chemistry continues, you know, Doc's healthy and that chemistry continues. Well, then it's just a matter of, okay, who's, who's playing up on the top line and who, who's going to be skating on uh, their left or right wing on the, the Doc's left Koski line. So. And, and that's, that's why I think this draft's important for forward because yep. really what you're missing, if Doc's healthy and Newhook's healthy, yeah. you have your second line. There's you your second Sla- line. There's Slaff, Doc, and Newhook. If that yep. clicked at the first game, they kept clicking, that yep. second line was there all season. Yep. And then you're just looking for that winger for, for Cole Caulfield and, and Suzuki. So this is why I think this draft for a for- or a trade for a key uh, uh, forward. I know Zigris names going around, uh, going to Montreal. Yeah, I don't know if that's going to happen that or not. One- that one, yeah. Can we just touch on that very, very, yeah. very quickly yeah. on that one? Um, yeah, I mean, okay, I get the excitement about Trevor Zegers. I do, and I like the kid. You know, I, I really do. He's, you know, he's got a, he's got a great self, self deprecating sense of humor. Like, you know, 
But my concern is how is this guy going to hand if you if you trade for him? First of all, it's going to cost you a lot. You know, Pat Verbeek's one of the toughest negotiators in the league, right? When it comes to swing and trades. So right away, say goodbye, say goodbye to Montreal's first round pick in this year's draft, not yeah. Winnipeg's Montreal's. That's gone. Say goodbye to one of your top prospects. Who are you willing to part with? You willing to give up Lane Hudson? Are you willing to give up David Reinbacher? Is Owen Beck a guy you're comfortable with parting with? Who do you want to give up as a top prospect? Think carefully because this is the type of guy we're not, you're not getting, getting him for Winnipeg's first round pick. And, oh, uh, oh maybe uh, we'll give you wah or we'll give you this. No, no, it's going to cost you your first and a top prospect for sure. Okay. And maybe a young roster player to boot. It's not going to be cheap, but if you are able to get Trevor Zegers, my concern is for what you're going to be giving up for him. Is this guy mentally prepared to play in Montreal? He's been, he's been playing sheltered in Anaheim. Okay. He's playing for a team that's stuck in the bottom of the league that nobody's paid any attention to since Ryan Getzlaff retired and Corey Perry got traded. Okay. They're not paying any attention to these guys. All right. So it's been quiet there. He hasn't faced the pressure he will face coming here because in Montreal, he's going to be expected just, just like Jonathan Drouin before him, just like you look at every player. Go all the way back to Pierre LaRouche. I'm so old. To Pierre LaRouche in the late 70s for Peter Mahovlich. And we thought, oh, yeah, this is great. It turned out we, we did, thankfully we didn't need Pierre LaRouche. There's a reason why he sat in the playoffs. Right? But that was a thing. A, a guy who was a 50 goal scorer in Pittsburgh on a bad team comes to Montreal and the pressure is just too much. Okay. And Jonathan Drew went, bless him, bless him. You know, he did his best. And when we found out all the things he was, he was having to deal with, you know, and, and needing to take time for his mental health, like my heart just went out to him, but it was just not the right environment for him. He was expected to come in and be the guy. And he wasn't the guy. And now you've got Trevor Zeger, who is incredibly talented. Yes, he is. Eric Engels says, oh, he's got more talent in his little finger than anybody on the Canadians right now. Gee, I think Nick Suzuki would be a little pissed to hear that. But whatever, fine, fine. You go with that, Eric. I, I like Eric. Don't get me wrong. I, Eric I just thought that was a little later. hyperbole on his part. He, he did explain himself later that that's yeah, not but, quite what he meant. But Yeah, but that was yeah. out there. Sorry, yeah. your first reaction was the true one, Eric. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, bud, because he knew afterwards, oh, shit, I shouldn't have seen that. I'm going to get blowback here. But yes, he oh, if Eric wants to come on the show and fight you. He's welcome. <laughs> 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 but honest to God, I mean, yes, his talent is undeniable. But can he handle the pressure of playing in Montreal? All that pressure. 20 microphones in your and 20 cameras in your face, you know, if you have a bad game, it's going to be, you know, you're going to have to deal with that when you go for a coffee for crying out loud. So if he's mentally prepared for it and he can handle that, okay, sure. But you better make damn sure that he is if you're going to go after him. Because if not, you will have given up at least two high-quality assets, more likely three, to bring in a guy who is not going to be the guy. All right? Where it's going to be, oh, geez, you know, huh, he's lucky he's playing. Uh, he's lucky he's playing with Suzuki and Caulfield because they're dragging his sorry ass along. I can hear it. Okay. So, yeah, 
Do I think they're going to get Zegers? Honestly, no. I don't, I, 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 I don't I, think I don't, they are either. I don't think that's going to happen. Well, I think that's a great way to end the rumor the rumor show uh, as we lead into I just want to say, Blaine, uh, I just want to say, according to Twitter, it's going to take the Calgary pick, Armia, and Harris to get uh, uh, Zegers. So I don't know where you're getting your information from. <laughs> But from what I'm told, oh, we might throw Yolonen in there too. Just, uh, <laughs> you know, you know. Little Eddie in there. Yeah, there's a sweetener yeah, yeah. for you. There's a sweetener yeah, for yeah. you, Pat, buddy. There you go. <laughs> they didn't call him a little ball well, of hate for nothing. <laughs> so uh, I, we'll we'll end the show here, Lyle. It's always great to have you back on the show. You're always welcome. Hell, you can be one of the hosts all summer long if you'd like. <laughs> What's it pay? <laughs> Come on. I need Benjamins. <laughs> we, pay, oh. we pay taxes into your pension. How about that? There it is. There it is. Yes. You're, 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 yeah, you're keeping me fat and happy with my pension. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if I'm fat and happy, why did I lose 20 pounds since last summer? Tell me. Anyway. Right? um but yeah no listen guys anytime you want to have me on it's 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 always a pleasure i mean yo yes i have to be unbiased when i'm talking on other shows and things like that but i am i am a habs fan so it's nice to be able to let let the hab the habs colors fly you know hey huh 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 come on so uh for everyone listening thank you for tuning in lyle thank you for being on the show treg my god it's great to have you and uh if you're talking about it so are we. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.